Yeah, I remember where being in, would have been in year two at the time, and someone was like, oh, I just saw Shrek in the cinema. It's so funny. And I was like, what the hell is a Shrek? Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, shipwreck? Like, a Shrek? <laughs> I remember seeing it and being like, this is such a lovely little satire. Um, the, the very I didn't say that as a kid. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it was a winning satire <laughs> yeah. of the fairytale genre. The future uh, film podcast. I actually thought it was a really great satire of the fairytale genre. morning morning i mean or if you're listening to this in the evening or afternoon evening happy whatever day time of day it is sunday for us it is a sunday we are recording this on a sunday and it's nice to do that every so often because it is a gentler i like that we mix up the days of the week that we record both out of practicality for Mm. life schedules and just for the different energy that it provides for an episode there's something quite cozy about doing a weeknight evening Yep. Like, oh, I've got a podcast tonight. I'm a little bit more tired, but yeah. it's still nice, nourishing conversation. And then on the weekend morning, it's like, yes, like morning, caffeine buzz, George coming over, yeah. the sun is shining. Boom, podcast boom. looks a bit better because everything's brighter. Yep. Done. Yes. Yes. That's the thoughts that go into it. Well, we had a we had an exciting week, didn't we? We did, yeah. We had a really fun week. Got all dressed up. We look, we're very new to we're still quite new to being invited to things, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Um, and we did get this invitation to go to something which I, I, I confess I hadn't heard of, which was the Newport Beach Film Festival UK Honours. Seventh annual. Seventh so annual. So it is new as well. It is, yes, it relatively new in the scheme of uh, industry awards. And yeah. it hasn't run since 2020. So there's been a yeah. three-year hiatus. Um, and, you know, at first I was like, the Newport Beach Film Festival? I, I, I must confess, I'm not familiar with that yeah. one. Um, however... It was quite an exciting event because on the guest list and in attendance was all the talent that was up for things, which is rare for an event to have every single person, isn't it? Yeah. There because I think everyone's they've done it quite smart because everyone was in town for the BAFTAs. Yes. So uh, we we literally didn't we? We literally did rub shoulders with the high mighty. So what was interesting about this is that it's not a public invite yes. all the random people off the street into the event. It was very much industry people. So like, for example, you had directors and producers there, writers like Kazuo Shigeru, mm. who wrote the script for Living, Kazuo all Shigeru. kind of, Kazuo Shigeru, uh, all kind of there. <laughs> and it wasn't like, you know, the actors, after they did their bit, were really just mingling around yes. and having conversations. So we're there, like, that Taron Egerton's right there. Yeah, Paul we... Meskel's right there. And like, for a long time, mm. Bella Ramsey from The Last of Us and I can't remember the, other, the one from Logan, mm. were just like literally next to us having a conversation, doing their thing. I think that's the thing. We, um, you know, we do get invited to stuff, which is, which is really nice, but always, usually, it is in that kind of influencer capacity. Meet take, in the room. T- t- take the crown, for example. Like, yeah, obviously yeah. we had a great time and Netflix was laid on a great event, but really we, good event. we were obviously there. They were putting on a product mm-hmm. of theirs and we were there to, to engage with that and put we it on our channels. Stuff we document stuff and, and then we talk about it afterwards, but, right? But we got invited to this and honestly, there was really no expectation uh, we, we, uh, to, to, to do anything with it. We realised very quickly on that we were one of maybe two influencers there. Yes. Or that we recognised. I think we there recognized, were probably more, yeah. But we were... We were meeting the room, but yeah. we were fine with that. It became very apparent this was a much smaller, safe space for this talent to be in. And do you remember at the Crown they had laid out things for, for like people to interact with? Yes. So you had like things to look at. There was a, the many photo opportunities, mm. all these different food. Like it was there to be shared. Whereas here it was like you can take pictures. And yeah. There's a little photo wall if you want to. Yeah. But really, it's it's an award show and it's celebrating. It, exactly. And it's not like the talent are over there getting their photos, then they go through it. This they was weren't like, funneled separately in a different channel. Yeah. It was very much. It was just, laid out with uh, like the Golden Globes layout with all the round tables, yes, wasn't it? Yeah. And people were just mingling, and it was lovely to see the interactions. You know, um, Paul Meskel and Bill Nye 
hugging each other. Bill Nye? We literally just got our first drink and Bill Nye just walks straight through yeah. with the yeah. iconic glasses and hair. Brilliant. Looking exactly like his character in Living. I mean, we should say that the, the full cast of people that were there was Bill Nye, Gemma Chan, Letitia Wright, Naomi Aki, Paul Meskel, Taryn Edgerton, Toby Jones, Amy yeah. Lou Wood, Daphne Keene, Lydia West, Michael Ward, Nicola Coughlin, um, Coughlin, rather. Michael Ward said hi to me. Uh, Michael Ward gave us a hug. Yeah. Michael Ward gave us, I don't <laughs> yeah. think he knew who we were. Yeah. We, we really just moved to get out of the way, actually. Yeah. And he embraced us from, from Empire like, of Light. Empire of Light. Nice guy. Yeah. Shame about the film. Um, Dolly Alderton was there. James intercepted Dolly Alderton to get yes. her picture. He was um, re- she was really lovely. She was great fun, yeah. I really did. Uh, my girlfriend absolutely loves your books. And she said, you are one of many boyfriends that comes up to me and says yeah. this. And she said to her friend, oh, another boyfriend yeah. here. <laughs> and that, she was really sweet. I then tried to be like, oh, I, was like, oh, I actually have read the book. And it yeah. you know, made me cry on the tube. And she was like, oh, no. And I was like, no, no. I was like, that's a compliment. <laughs> we're, we're riffing. Yeah, yeah. We're having a joke. <laughs> Okay, um, who else was there? Um, there was also Frankie Corio from uh, After Sun and uh, a lot of, uh, and Bella Ramsey, of course, from The Last of Us, and Leo Woodall, who was in The Last of Us, who was the Essex lad in The Last of Us. Yes, yes. No, not Last of Us, you meant I um, meant, I meant White the White Lotus. Lotus. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. The, the Essex lad that's who a, that's originally, a when he came in, was such a lovely breath of fresh air and then very quickly gave us yeah. all the ick. The, um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he got really drunk and he was like, oh, I love it today. But it was, but it was... So we, we really realized quite quickly that we're like, oh, you know, I guess we're just guests yeah, here. We're just we're there to actual enjoy it. guests. And it was just great to be, A, be there with you and just watch famous people yes, interact. I'm I like, know. oh my God, Dolly Alderson and Bill Nye having a really big conversation yes. like on stage. And it was um, it was Bella Ramsey and, remind me of the other uh, two. Frankie Corio Frankie from Corio, After Sun. Yeah. So it's Bella Ramsey from The Last of Us, Frankie Corio from uh, After Sun and uh, Daphne Keene from, who was in Logan and in His Dark Materials. That's it, yeah. So the youngest people in the room. And they're all like r- roughly the same age. All talk, They all just like gravitated towards each other. And I could sort of overhear their conversation and it was all like, oh my God, you're so great. And that thing's like, yes, I've just seen that. And you're so good. No, no, no I think yoga. And then like, I love what you're wearing. No, yeah. I love what you're up. It, it was, was just adorable. And we kept having this conversation of like, should we go up and say something? Oh, it's really distasteful to go up to a famous person. And then we realized we have nothing of value yes. to say to a famous person apart from, I really like you in that thing. Yes. But other than that, there's no reason to go up and say anything. Which is why, I mean, so, yeah, I agree. I mean, and we, so we let people have their conversations. Yeah. So, yeah, Michael Ward giving us a hug was a surprise. <laughs> it wasn't really a hug. He, he like sort of brushed past, locked eyes. And I just thought, well, he's looking at me. I'll be like, oh, he, really he, enjoyed your performance in Empire of Light. And immediately came in for this that's, like sort that's of an embrace. embrace. I would say it's an embrace. Which was very nice. We did have, because the only other person we could really relate to was Edith Bowman, who, yes, who, uh, who re- hosts these things. Famed BBC broadcaster and beyond, who's, you know, uh, does a lot of these things. And we're like, really? She's the only person we can connect to on this level yeah. because she's not here as talent and she's not here as, the, as, a, as an executive. We spoke to her because she's obviously like fellow, you know, talks about films as a job. Yeah. We, we've we noticed that we see her hosting all of these events. Mm. We're almost like Edith Bowman just smashing yeah. it, covering all the things. So we went up to her and just said, really sorry to bother you. Hi. We just wanted to say hi because we both talk about films on the internet. We always see you doing these events. And yeah. she was really sweet. She was she absolutely said, lovely and genuine. And She shared uh, our reel to her Instagram, did. which she is cool. did. So it was a, a really, I think we realized pretty soon on that we could relax and actually yeah. just enjoy it and it was quite surreal to be like there's just Gemma Chan walking past and Letitia right over there and we were we were there with the it was it was it was a pleasant honor to be in in the room with those the people room. yeah you know we realized we we had nothing to contribute <laughs> no. 
no one looked at us and went, Pop Kitchen? No, no one um, it didn't happen. It was just an honor to be there and it, and it was very exciting. Um, if you wanted to see, uh, keep up with the antics when we do get invited to fun little premieres, little mm. events, little award shows, you can follow us at Pop Kitchen Podcast on Instagram and TikTok and we will always post the shenanigans we get up to. You can rate our outfits, you mm. can uh, do all sorts. <laughs> I knocked a full glass of red wine over James's trousers. Yes, which you washed great. up really I well. Did quite well. Stunning bathrooms in that London yes, Hotel. The London the Hotel in Leicester, Leicester Square. Square. Absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, I had, to, I had to stick my leg under the sink and get a towel. <laughs> then I had it under the dryer and I literally had my leg like hucked up. And someone walks in and they were like, spilt wine. I was like, yeah. Also, it was, it's such a movie moment because that was during Paul Meskel's speech. And mm. I think Paul Meskel, you know, you've got huge names in there, but Paul Meskel is the one that everyone's excited about. Yeah. And when the guy from the Newport Film Festival introduced him, I was thinking he, Paul Mescal, has had a meteoric rise of a, of an actor. I, I I think I don't think it's happened since like Jennifer Lawrence has been yeah. so much like this is the it guy. We're going for him. You know, he was re- reeling off the things that he's, you know, going to be. And not only is he Oscar nominated, BAFTA nominated, um, he's on stage right now in Streetcar, but he's going to be in The Next Gladiator. He's going to be in uh, Richard oh, Linklater's- he Linklater. looks like a sort of- Of course yeah. he does, yeah. He's going to be in uh, Richard Linklater's Merrily We Roll Along, which is a 20 year long project adapting a Stephen Jesus Sondheim musical. Because he can sing. He's going to be in Carmen. It's like, and I was like, Explosion. this is this is the guy. This is, I this is be, I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm sure once normal people was out, he would have been getting loads of offers. Because there's almost this idea that, okay, this person's just broken through when normal people came out. If you can catch him at that perfect time, you get him for probably yeah. cheaper than if you get him five years later before he maybe wins an but, Oscar, right? But even now his stock is just, mm. yeah, risen. Yeah. I mean, um, there's a film he's in coming out at the end of March called God's Creatures with Emily uh, Watson, which I really want to see, which yeah. has got a really good write up. But yeah, we're just, uh, that's all the shenanigans we do. Uh, keep, yep. keep abreast of it on the channels. We will continue to pretend to be famous at future events <laughs> if we get invited. So look out for that. Okay, James, big movie out at the moment is Ant-Man Quantumania. Yes. Uh, it's on the side of buses everywhere, Paul Rudd's face. Uh, you've been to see it. I did. Big, fi- big Ant-Man film for Ant-Man. I feel like this mm. really sort of gone for Ant-Man 3. Mm. It looks bigger, everything feels bigger. For, you know, small no hero, intended. big, big scale, yeah. How you, Ant-Man for you, where does he sit? Do you like an Ant-Man? How I, do you feel about him? I love Paul Rudd. Me too. And I will always enjoy his presence. I loved Ant-Man in Endgame. His yes. role in that. I didn't mind the first Ant-Man. I think it's that sort of like solid mid-tier Marvel. Yeah. I thought Ant-Man and the Wasp was a rung below that. I found it pretty boring. Pretty, pretty boring. Yeah. Uneventful. Just Uneventful. Like, just the, the only thing that's interesting filler. in that film is where he ends up in a post-credit sequence. For Endgame. For Endgame. That's the only yes. reason you need to, And you can watch that on YouTube in five minutes. Exactly. Um, and I must say... I, I, you know, I haven't been to see it yet, but Quantumania, I'm a bit reticent because, I mean, you, you, you'll clarify for the, yeah, this yeah. for me in a second, but I look at it and I go, that looks like 80% of the runtime is not in the real world. It's on in front of a green screen. Um, cool at 90. Cool at 90, Jesus Christ. Um, and I, when I watched the trailer, I think, I, I, I realized how important it is for a human audience to see daylight, <laughs> to yeah. see a natural environment <laughs> and not to see people go, huh, huh. I also think looking at it, I was like, the, 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 there's a certain style to the Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp, right? Yeah. The first two. I don't know where that fits in this much more standard Marvel template. I might be saying what you're already thinking. But anyway, yeah. Where, I, where, where do you sit with Ant-Man? Well, yeah, Ant-Man I like. I think, as I, as I agree with you, in terms of how he sits in the with the other characters, he's a very sort of underappreciated, undervalued hero. Yeah. Like he's the one that brings in the quantum realm time travel thing, yeah. and he sort of helps them do the time heist. So I thought that was cool. I also liked that in the fir- very first Ant-Man, when you know he starts learning the powers, and Michael Douglas is like, this is what we have to do. And he's like, great. 
let's call the Avengers, which yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of like yes. instead of bringing a bit of common sense yeah. to it and just asking that question, why, why yeah. don't we do that? And I always thought that was quite funny. I think also as well with Ant-Man, sorry, it's, that it, it's a bit like Doctor Strange, which is that like, they're fairly okay, but then they're elevated by, you know, Doctor Strange, it's the psychedelic visuals, which are like, whoa. Yes. And in the Ant-Man, it's the going very small and the way that everything's, you know, when he falls through the bathtub yes. and then the disco. And I thought the and fight the... scene at the end of Ant-Man, which took place in the girl's bedroom with yes. the train, the that's Edgar really funny. Finger, fingerprints and when like the it, train yeah. falls off and in the small world, it's this massive crash yeah. but it, when they cut to a wide and it just like trickles yeah. off the track yeah. i thought that was a really like funny way to sort of like play on yeah. that um ant-man and the wasp quantum mania i <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's all we need i i think we, we get Here's it the thing. i take i you texted me how is it the other day and i said i don't think the film is that bad but there's so much i really don't like about it right Let's start with the plot. The plot is we're picking up with Ant-Man after Endgame. He's on a bit of a, he's slightly lost. He's like, I saved the whole world. And now what do I do? Who am I? Where do I, what's my fight? What am I trying to do now? His daughter, Cassie, is also a budding scientist who's been sort of right. tinkering around with Hank Pym. And, um, you know, he sort of realizes, wait, what? You've been looking into the quantum realm? And Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Janet, who, as we remember, spent 30 years mm. in the quantum realm, who's very conveniently not told them anything about it, <laughs> which they do address as a plot point. But if you bring up a plot point in your film, but don't answer it, that doesn't mean that you've covered it. Covered yeah. it. You've just shone sh sh a light onto it, because there's obviously quite a lot going on in the quantum yeah. realm, which we begin to understand. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer's like, you're investigating the quantum realm, and she's creating this sort of, almost like a beacon signal that allows you to communicate with it. And... What, when she says, you're investigating it, the thing goes wrong and they're all in the room. Yeah. And in a very sort of Disney Channel original movie, Whoa! they all go like, wait, and they're holding on and it's <laughs> sucking everyone in and they let go and then boy, we get very, very infinitely small into the quantum realm, which from my understanding is a realm that exists smaller than the atoms of our very world. Mm. And there's this entire universe, which is neither between time or space. Mm. It's just this whole other thing. And from then... We are in uh, complete green screen, blue screen, blue screen CG world. I'm going to get onto yeah. I'm going to get onto that in a minute. And what happens is is our heroes are separated, and what they do realize is that Michelle Pfeiffer or Janet has had this whole history of life in 30 years, and there are entire humanoid societies that live in the quantum realm. And who is the nasty conqueror at the head of it? is Kang. Kang is the new big bad in Marvel, for those who aren't familiar. He was briefly introduced in the TV series Loki and has been hinted at in lots of other things. And he's played by Jonathan Majors. And you know, ironically, I think Kang saves the day in this film, but he's a villain, oh, yeah. that's my line. And um, here's the thing, right? As a film, I actually think it's kind of fun. It's, it's fairly engaging. My main point about this film, and I think about Marvel in general, is I feel really uncool watching this film. Mm. I swear to God, I'm talking about cool relative to this whole like comic book right. film sphere of like nerd culture. Yeah. I swear to God, when I was really enjoying Marvel stuff a few years ago, and I'd be like, no, 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 like it's Captain America Civil War. Like Iron Man and Captain America are gonna fight. Yeah. And like, you know, Spider-Man's gonna come in. And this is like, I'm really seeing these characters go head to head. And at the end, they like stab the shield into the chest. I'm like, this has consequence. And I felt like I was really part of something special. And that's what makes these huge franchise story things feel really cool. And I'm sitting there on my Saturday as a 28 year old watching this film. And I'm just like, I feel really uncool <laughs> watching this. Maybe I'm getting older. Maybe mm. it's a byproduct 
product of the way it's written. And I'm just, it, this isn't for me now. There are lots of like, you know, nine to 12 year olds in my screening who I think were like laughing and having a really good time. Mm. Maybe this review should be framed with that in mind. I don't have a younger brother, but I had that feeling that I was being dragged to go and take my younger mm. brother to see a film that I didn't want to see. Mm. And that's my overriding feeling. It, it, it really didn't feel cool. Mm. Um, on green screen, I have a theory that I can tell when actors do not know what place or part of the script they are in at mm. that certain scene. I think when you take an actor and you have a, you have a, a, a film script which is like this, and it's filled with 10 different chase scenes, yeah. uh, 10 different locations, all wrapped in blue screen, and the actor's like, oh, what's the scene? Yeah, so you're running away from a giant robot, uh, you're trying to get back to here, and you can just tell that they're not really looking at anything, and I don't really know mm. that the actor knows exactly where they are. Versus mm. when you shoot in a real location, I feel like that course, connection yeah. is just there. Um, you, people have mentioned Spy Kids 3D. It yeah. really does it feel like, that. like a full like, uh, Tron. Is like like the kind of like level we're feeling in. I really don't want my films to look like this. Yeah. I really don't find it interesting, compelling. I don't want this direction to happen. I yeah. find it just really numb and really just a little bit sad. Yeah. Um, I, did we not have Christopher Nolan come in yeah. in in two thousand eight, two thousand five, and just sort of tell us like, no, like we could do this in yeah, a really cool right. way? Like, have we have we forgotten? I almost just remember Marvel films not being all the way there. I know Thor, Love and Thunder, and Ragnarok kind of have been doing that, and I felt Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness. I also really didn't like are really going heavy on this, mm. and I just, I just, I personally do not like my films looking this way. Mm. And as I said, it's about ninety percent. You've got about eight minutes before they fall into the quantum realm and the entire movie Jesus. is just in infinite warpy and i get it it's the quantum realm it can look like loads of different things but because That's it's not boring. like anything yeah. i've ever seen before i have no connection to it meaning anything mm. um i've other theory again these are very like broad things about the mcu i think the I personally think that the multiverse is killing the MCU story. Mm. If you have a story which at any time you can bring anyone back, you can introduce any new rule, and you can kill a version of a character, but it doesn't matter because there's a million other versions of them, all of a sudden nothing becomes interesting. Mm. And everything that's happening doesn't really mean anything. And I stop really actually, I've stopped really thinking, well, if this happened, it doesn't really matter because they can just do whatever they want. I am predicting this now. This is not a spoiler, but I am telling you for, I'm predicting this right now, for Avengers 5 and 6, Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, I'm telling you, Tony Stark is coming back. Really? That's, it's not anything to do with that, man. I'm just telling you, because they can... That seems cheap, though, if they did I, that. I, I know, and I just really think that's what's going to happen, because, you, because mm. if you can do anything, nothing matters. And I think, it's, I think it really kind of ruins Multiverse of Madness. I think in No Way Home, like, you do something really fun and exciting, and now I, I've seen the other films, what they've done in No Way Home is less interesting to me because you've just done it so many times yeah. now. Mm. And I, I do think it's ruining the story, that's and it's making nothing interesting or special. That's really interesting. I um, it's sad, really, because I assume obviously like Paul Rudd, great. Michael Paul Rudd's really good. Bad. I think Bill Paul, Murray's in it. Bill Murray's in it. It's a cameo, which at this point, Bill Murray's done so many cameos. I'm like, oh yeah, you've just done that again. Paul Rudd as Scott Lang. I like Scott Lang. He's a nice character. He's like a really, I really want him to succeed, but he's given very little agency, and a lot of the plot just really happens oh, to him, yeah. and he reacts in a way that I feel is very predictable and i think at the end of the movie he's kind of the same person as he was at the beginning mm. again i like bring up cats america civil war again for those characters being in a completely different place yeah and it's like you just you just use this as a tool to, to introduce kang which i'm gonna get onto but sorry go on no i was just gonna say 
again, I haven't seen the film, so I, I'm just speaking about it from an outside looking in perspective. But what I do find interesting sometimes is when your review of the film that you've seen correlates exactly with what my expectation of how the film looks at, yeah. right? And it clearly shows that, like, d- d- despite the marketing, whatever, you can't see through it. And when you talked about Captain America, and I was thinking about, just like, an example. Take, take Winter Soldier, that, yeah. that first, like, those chase scenes with, like, like, by the way, Captain America and the Winter Soldier storyline is a side of the MCU I'm always less interested in. Yeah, I like my superhero, superheroes to be, like, shooting laser beams and being able to fly, right? Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the highway chase in uh, Winter Soldier, the you know, scene. all of that stuff is real and tactile and, and he punchy. He the helicopter and he yeah. flips the arm. Exactly, yeah, it's real. Sorry. And then, but when I look at this, I think, uh, where is that? Is that in the same universe? And it's like, uh, it's like a psychological deep human thing. You yeah. can't have us in a CG world for so long and expect us to engage. It just doesn't it's happen too, in the same way. Much. It um, really is. Also, I'm thinking, haven't they missed the point of Ant-Man? Ant-Man, the, the, the enjoyment of Ant-Man and Ant-Man movies is, is when they focus on what's specific to him, which is his scale changing in relation to the real world around yes. him. He goes really small or really big. Now, and he goes in like familiar places. Right. And exactly. It's exploring. It. And we'll talk about that later when we get to Marcel the Shell, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, Which shit. is actually, I'm realizing there's actually quite a correlation yeah. between these two films. <laughs> yeah. um, but when I see the trailer, I'm like, because the quantum realm is not real, it's imaginary, it plays by its own rules, whether Ant Man is big or small is irrelevant. No. You've completely redundant, you made it redundant, his skill. So he's just actually just a guy. He's just Paul Rudd in a, in a, in a, in a wetsuit, in a suit, running around, being, being silly. Um, on Kang, because right. Kang, I think the main hook to see this film, I think, I think it's Kang, and I think without that, if if they if they had a one and done villain yeah. for this film, I really think it would have been bad. The fact that Kang is in this gives me, as someone who actually I do want to like come and enjoy this film, mm. I, I I'm not I really don't want people to think that I'm just trying to be really stuffy. And um, I try to be really stuffy and, and sort of, you know, critique and say, oh, this Marvel film we're going to see. Like, yeah. I actually really do want to, like, root for these films. And I want to recapture that feeling I get when I think there's something really special. Lord knows we've invested enough time in it. And like, I put so much time into it's a stru- it. It's a sunk cost kind of thing. Like, I really want this to do well. So when you give me a character like Kang and I'm like, no, like, this is our big bad. We're building up to him. You've seen him in a TV show. Like, here it is. Um, I think Jonathan Majors is, is, does a really cool performance. He does it ever so slightly, like, quiet but interesting... Mm performance the problem with kang at least so far is that he's a character that doesn't exist in space or time from what i understand he is like experienced through multiple timelines so every time he speaks or someone asks him a question he gives an answer the answer they'll be like wait what do you want to do and he's like it's not what i want to do it's what i have done and what i'm yet to do and what's what i've already been doing and i'm like okay like the architect in the matrix very much like the architect so uh, uh, they did some explaining for Kang, and from my understanding, this isn't a spoiler, but like he he is experienced in many different timelines, and he's already does know and doesn't know how his future's going to end up. But he's sort of trying to eliminate all timelines for his own one, and it's all very compelling, and it sounds like a cool idea, but I'm not really following. Yeah, Thanos is very simple. He just wants kill to, half. Yeah. He wants kill five him. stones and wants to destroy the half of the universe. And if he gets five of them, he does it. I'm like, great, clean car. Yeah. I kind of, you that, know, that's that's a plan you can write on the back of a post-it note. Yes, like, that's what you want. So you know, when you first saw Kang at the end of Loki, it was a very Matrix architect scene, and none of it really made sense. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, but it's kind of intriguing. Yeah. He's giving this really weird theatrical performance. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And in here, he's much more physical, and he does a bit of fighting, and he's, you know, he, they, he's very aware that he's only a variant of himself. 
And like every time we mm. see Kang, it's a variant of Kang. I was going to say, how much does his character now re- correlate with his character at the end of Loki? I don't want to say, because I think you have to see the film and see how that works right. out. But it's another, it's another issue of, we have an infinite number of copies of this person. So what does it really matter what you say uh, to this one? Yeah. Again, why I think the multiverse is, is just a really bad plot tool. You've got too mm. many. Uh, it, it's just the equivalent of when you play sword fighting, you go, ah, oh, no, I had my shield up. Uh, yeah. you, could just, you could just invent anything. So therefore, I've got, I've, I have nothing to predict. Mm. I've got nothing to grip onto and be like, oh, did you see that moment? That could mean something. Yeah. It could mean absolutely nothing. Do you know, what makes me sad is that um, when you see a film that's called Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, yeah. you're like, Quantumania, that should be a really fun thing. Mania, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, Mania, and similarly with Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness, you yeah. expect it, oh my God, <clears throat> they're going to really go for this and go crazy. And they didn't. And they, uh, I'm, I'm sensing the same thing happens with what happened with Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, where you go, oh my God, Multiverse of Madness, What's this is going to be happen? insane. And they go, yeah, we go to about two, two different we, multiverses. We zipped through 30, but then really we're kind of in, in yeah, two. In, in two. Do, what did you prefer of the two? Ooh, I think this one. I really didn't like Multiverse no, of Madness. Yeah. I, I disliked what they did with Scarlet Witch, and I just thought it was just, it gave me a bit of a headache, that film. Yeah. And then in the end, I really wasn't on board for what they did. Can you tell me, and I haven't obviously seen mm. it, I haven't read up read up about it online yeah. or anything, does this have a post-credit scene like all the other post-credit scenes in Phase 4, which is um, a very famous person from a, you know, a, a famous actor walks on playing a role that you've not heard of yet, and they go, ah, but let me show you this. No, it doesn't. Oh, good, it Wait, bucks the was, trend. Hold on, what was the so first? Harry Styles in Eternals, <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's Harry Styles. He goes, let me show you this. It's Charlie Theron in... Um, in Doctor Strange, yeah, she's like, yeah. yes, let me show you this. <laughs> Which, that it, meant nothing yeah, to me. Exactly. I, I don't care so much about Charlie's <laughs> Theron that like, my mind is blown, but I'm like, it's just a person yeah. dressed really weirdly I, in the street. I believe that Marvel has the, the, the money to pay for a high profile actor. Yeah. Uh, in Thor Love and Thunder, it's Brett Goldstein as Hercules. Yeah. It's like, and now let me do this. Like, just showing me someone famous isn't, uh, isn't enough. That didn't happen. They were both very relevant to the subject matter of the right. film. The second one was one where oh, it was a good one where you saw it and I got really lost in it and then it cut and I was like oh no don't I was, uh, no, no. I was like, really into it and I was like okay that's kind of effective um, did you sorry at the end of last year you said that uh, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special was the best piece of Marvel content you saw that year I still do you think this is better than that I think that? Black Panther were kind of forever I, it's kind of redu- I mean it's a little bit of a harsh thing because one it's is a like a, a really yeah. short thing I'd say Black Panther were kind of forever I thought was like fine and I think Holiday Special was also fine and mildly entertaining because at the moment and everything they're tied and everything else is like far far below it is this is that my, I'm sorry to rank them but I'm just interested yeah. did you enjoy this you know Quantumania more than Love and Thunder more than oh yeah Love and Thunder is quite irritating, actually, when you think back about more, it. The more people think back on Love and Thunder, they go, oh, this really wasn't what we wanted. Usually I'll see a Marvel film and I go, I cannot wait to rewatch that when I'm sick or on a lazy Sunday yeah. or on a hangover. And I don't, I don't have an interest with rewatching these. Mm. Um, I, just, I will say there is a gag at the end of Ant-Man just based on what kind of the kind of things we've been of saying this and yeah. of this Ant-Man, of you know, the MCU being slightly broken, the story becoming slightly ridiculous. There is a gag, which is like Paul, Paul uh, Scott Lang's internal monologue, which I found really funny and it works, but they're like 
it's showing how aware they are of how ridiculous their own plot is becoming. Right. Yeah, you, I don't want to ruin it because you should see it, but it was like, yeah, like the writers are aware that this is just getting a bit silly. It's funny. I found it funny yeah. because like this is just a bit, um, this is just a bit interesting. Mm. A lot of people have criticised it for being not funny. I think it's sort of funny. I laughed three times aloud: mm. once at the beginning, once in the middle, and then at the end, wow. which is fine. It's, once per act. And look, I, I've been really negative, and a lot of my points are broad MCU ones, but I, I think to sort of review this in, individually, it almost doesn't make sense. This is the start of Phase Five, and we're building up to this right. thing. I just. Um, I just am increasingly getting very little from these films and I don't, and, and that's my main note, I just didn't feel cool watching it. I want, a superhero, nerd genre, yeah. should make a lame person feel really cool for being a part of it and yeah. I just think the MCU is really not achieving that. I feel kind of lame, like yeah. I should be out in the sun with my friends. Yeah, you mean it's the kind of like, I don't care what people think about this, I'm really enjoying it kind of yeah. mentality, but instead you're thinking, oh God. Why, why do I feel like I'm being aged out of this content? Mm. Maybe I am. Maybe that's why. Maybe if you ask someone who's 10 years younger than me, they would be like, oh, it's really great. And that, is that a really arrogant thing to say? Probably. That's how I'm feeling. Well, let us know your thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Do you agree with James? Do you disagree? Email, email your thoughts into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. So another film I'm really interested in seeing, which you managed to see this week, also about small things from small perspectives, exactly. is Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Marcel the Shell Marcel. with shoes on. <laughs> you see what I did Marcel there? sells seashells <laughs> on, on the, the seashore. seashore. <laughs> and he wears shoes, I'm sure. Yeah, no, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Yes, which is this... Um, well, it's been out for a while. It came out in mid-2022 uh, in America. And I think it premiered at some film festivals in late 21. Very late here. So Marcel the Shell with shoes on is a feature-length adaptation of a... Uh, short film and actually sort of series of short films made in like 2010, 2011, 2014 by Dean Fleischer Dean Camp and uh, co-written with Jenny Slate who yes. uh, who voices the who voices Marcel the shell with the shoes on. Um, Jenny Slate, by the way, is a, is an actress, uh, a, you know, comic actress. who I, I really enjoy every time she's on screen. I really really enjoy her. Do you know who I mean when I yeah, say yeah yeah Jenny yeah. Slate, yeah. Um, she's really funny and she made this film called Obvious Child about ten years ago, which was about. It was really interesting at the time. It was in 2014. And the story is she has like a one night stand with this guy. And uh, they, they, they first, that's how they begin dating. And she gets pregnant straight away. But it's like very quickly, she's like, I'm having an abortion and that's happening. And they're like, mm. okay, cool. And then they date and stuff. But the pregnancy and the abortion is stuff in the background. And um, sorry, this is a massive tangent. But people at the time were like, this is really interesting because most pregnancy films, Juno, Knocked Up, actually don't talk about abortion or they talk about it in a very small amount which is not representative of the lived experience of a lot of uh unexpected presence unplanned pregnancies yeah in the world and or united states and take juno for example there's just one scene in it which is about uh, abortion which is not representative but anyway but jenny slate managed to make a romantic comedy which had abortion in the background and it was like a, a, it was a really charming film and really successful so ever since then I've been like following Jenny Slay and I'm like oh, I really like when she does and so she's cropped up uh, in this again and she's obviously been involved in the project for, for several years now how to explain Marcel the shell with shoes on um, it's funny following Ant-Man because it is on a similar theme uh, Marcel is a one inch tall shell and he's got this he's got one eye and he's got these um, shoes which are kind of like basketball shoes with like um, painted pink uh, front bits but uh, toe caps he's seen. very cute and um, you know he kind of talks like that he's Marcel the shell um, and the film begins and the the story is that it's set in an Airbnb 
house, right? I have to say that uh, the, the way the film sets up its story, it kind of just begins. And I think it could have been a little less vague because I did spend 10 minutes going, okay, so hang on. This guy wasn't freaked out by finding a shell, etc. Anyway, the setup is this. It's, it's a house that is an Airbnb, uh, you know, home. And guests come and go. And you, you become very quickly aware that um, there used to be a whole community of shells. And actually, not just shells, but like the mis- miscellaneous detritus of life is alive. So uh, a, a, a tampon found on the floor or a button, mm. a sewing. These random pieces are actually sentient and actually live together. And there's a whole community. And you're aware that now actually it's just Marcel and his grandmother. Uh, uh, who's voiced by Isabella Rossellini in a very sort of charming, hello, Marcello, she says, oh, dear boy. And it, and you are introduced to this world where everything is small scale, and it's like what that kind of playfulness of Toy Story, or like, I suppose you could say, the original Ant-Man's, of seeing our world rendered very small and being interacted with someone at a completely different scale. So Marcel will um, uh, squeeze a bottle of honey to dab dip his feet in it so he can stick it on the wall so he can walk up the side of it nice. he will um he's he's attached string to from the uh, uh electric mixer electric food mixer to the tree outside and when he turns it on the mixer shakes the branch so the oranges fall then oh, he can bring the oranges inside so they can eat he will um wait by the dripping um uh, uh tap you know the faucet to, to for the water to come and he'll take a sip out of it and he's uh, learns to adapt and, and you know very quickly you know very early on he says you know you know there was it was more of us before and it was easier to have uh, a community when there was 20 20 or more of us but now it's just me and my grandma um but we just we just try and get along and in this richly detailed world like i say there's there's beautiful um they the, the, he has this sort of table set with his grandmother where they sit on different sized champagne corks um and that's their like bar stores but it just works completely anyway so he's being filmed by dean um who played by dean felicia clamp who directed the film who was a guest in this airbnb house and he's just saying oh i'm just making a film about you i just want to and he's like what do you mean and what's what's a documentary it's kind of like no i'm not going to be in it it's just just going to be about you and there's these interviews and you're you're introduced to this world um I suppose the broad narrative is getting to know Marcel, his relationship with his grandmother, and also he's his kind of yearning this quest to find out what happened to his family, as he calls them, the, the wider collection of people, and seeing if they, they can uh, track them down. He's, he's obsessed with 60 Minutes, the, 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 the uh, right, TV yeah. show in America, right? He, he and his grandma, used uh, they watch it all the time. And he's like, oh, I, I really want to, you know, uh, maybe they can see what happened. Um, so Dean not only documents uh, Marcel, but also tries to help him um, uh, uploads, uploading the videos onto YouTube and online to see if he can help track down what happened to Marcel. That's the broad story as such. Um, I think, you know, there's been a lot of rave reviews about Marcel and and I can see why. I, I really liked it. I think it's a really lovely, lovely film. I, I think I stopped short of like shouting about it in a really profound way that other people do but i think it's a really good solid four-star film 90 minutes long it just it's just perfect it has the um imagination and um uh, themes depth of the best of pixar but it's executed in a very sort of minimal uh, aesthetic whereas you associate big hollywood animation to be bright colorful loud let's go this is um shot on very very cool color palette whites browns domestic uh looking colors and it's and i should say it's actually like window sills and kind of exactly things, yeah. it's it's a, it's set and shot in the real world it's yes, not yeah. i mean just in case people weren't sure but marcel obviously is almost like a stop motion uh shell and, and, and up close you can see he's actually been 
you know, crafted. And it's it's like the best of Aardman when you see that, you know, Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Yeah, like you that. can see fingerprints on the exactly. plastic sometimes. And, and that is part of the charm. Comparing to someone like something like Ant-Man Quantumania, which is yeah. like you, you can't see any human touch on all of any of this. Yeah. When you're up close with um, he and his grandmother, it's, it, it's beautiful. There's a lot in it. Uh, it's it's incredibly smart and touching and and playful and witty. Not just in the dialogue. There's some really funny lines in it. There was one line that my girlfriend found absolutely hilarious. Like, I mean, I, I find it funny, but she, she just couldn't believe it. Um, but it's also very visually witty, just in the way it creates that small scale world and about how he interacts with it um, and his interaction with uh, Dean as a filmmaker as well. And and. Then it went through that kind of visual wit, it kind of breaks through to deeper themes about, you know, life and death, about love and loss, about um, isolation, loneliness, um, aging, generational differences, but also about how much our environment and the people in our lives define our identity mm. and how that kind of thing of no man's an island and how it really, you know, Marcel is someone who is both very good at being on his own because he's having to, or, or at least independent in that he has to hook after his grandmother. Mother. He's just got off, you know, got on with it, but also, and he's very proud of that, but also he does miss his family and he doesn't want to get them back. But that's also reflected on Dean. You're getting the impression that Dean, the, the filmmaker is only staying in this Airbnb because he's had a trouble in his relationship as well. You're also becoming aware that the, the, the Airbnb itself has only been rented out as an Airbnb because the couple that used to live there had a massive row and, and sort of um, split apart and then the house became a, an Airbnb place. Um, so this kind of theme of loneliness and also connection uh, is there. It's very sweet, very touching um, uh, and moving. And there were a couple of points towards the end, I thought, oh my, damn, I'm actually really emotionally invested and I, I, I feel choked up by this thing. You know, I, I, um, you, there were a couple of beats you think, oh damn, yeah, that, that was quite moving. Um, some great lines and, and just things that put a smile on your face. Like uh, there's a bit where they accumulate dust on uh, a tabletop, a glass tabletop. Marcel, this is, this is why he, he's so heartwarming. He will accumulate, um, do, do these acts of kindness. He, he deliberately jumps on a sofa to spray dust on this glass tabletop. And for him and, and, the, and um, his grandmother, it's like ice skating. So like he will, uh, he'll do figure skates across the dust. And he's like, I usually do this at like Christmas time, but I think she needed a treat. And you're aware that the grandmother is in a state of decline. She's clearly got a little bit of dementia. And she, he says, you know, grandmother, she, she's amazing. You know, um, she actually came from the, gar the garage originally. That's why she has the accent. Yeah, she came here when she was very young by a coat pocket. Uh, <laughs> and that gives you a sense of the kind of yeah, the witty yeah. humor of it. Um, there's this bit where, you know, when they're trying to find what happened, uh, Marcel is sort of looking at a map and he says, well, Dean, why don't we get up very high and we can see where, where um, the guy who used to live here went. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, when I want to see where things are, I go up on the mantle and I can see the whole house and it cuts to him on the mantelpiece. Like, you see what I mean? So we just need to get up very high. And so, you know, the Dean agrees to like take him out to the outside world and, and drive him up to the, the, the kind of the, the highest point he can find. And, you know, Marcel from the window, window of the car experiencing the new world is, it, it's just, it's just lovely and, and, and touching. So, um, it's that thing that it's a small film with a big heart and uh, it does that thing which it should is that having a hyper-focused micro-specific location uh, rendering it big. I mean, yes, I think you can see the DNA of the fact that it used to be a short film in there, uh, but I think that's fine. Sirens on our end. Yes, there are sirens here. They're not a fan of Marcel. <laughs> um, 
I think I think this is a yeah, it's a very accessible universal film. So if you would like a short, um, uh, heartwarming, uh, accessible, universal, but not you know not dumbed down, very intelligent, deep, slightly philosophical film. Um, then Marcel the Shell with Shoes on is, is definitely one There's to watch. definitely something about this idea of like, you, know, you can do it at sort of a very small scale, but you take the little things strewn across on a, a very small and insignificant, but like a byproduct of normal yes. people living, but like you attribute loads of focus to it and it's like really important mm. for someone at that scale. All yes. the things left behind, all the scale of it becomes really different. There's something mm. about that, which is like, oh yeah, like that very familiar, yeah. that's how we live, but like this is yeah. a new lens to view it through. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit where Marcel... He says, I'll get, you know, like I said, the good grandmother's in sort of poor health. He says, oh, let me get you some water. And, you know, Marcel has no arms. He just has legs in the mouth. So everything he moves, he has to either push with his body or grab with his mouth. And he runs, you know, gets down the ladder. He comes back and he's carrying, like he would a tray on his head, a bottle cap that's filled with like two drops of water. And he's like, fresh water, fresh water. And she's like, oh, thank you much, Ella, thank you. And you're aware that like that's such a small thing, but you know that that's such an act of kindness at his yeah. level. And so, so to really get you invested in a familiar yet different world is 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 really lovely. I think I think most people I think it's a film to really dislike. It's it's yeah. really wholesome. So then the title is also very cute. Marcel the Shell the Shoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's lovely. It's if you lovely. managed to see Marcel and you had any impressions of it, as always, send us your thoughts to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Time for emails. George, let us go through some of the questions that people wrote in. If you wanted to send an email to the show, you can do by writing into the email address I've said four times now on the show. It is hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Hannah wrote into that very email address and she says, hey guys, last time I wrote in, I asked about your controversial movie opinions. Mm. And I think it's pretty cool that other people are now sharing theirs at the end of emails because of it. Yeah, please send them Hannah, in, guys. thank you. We've been enjoying those. Now, I think it's only fair for me to share one of mine and I have mm. a feeling it will upset a lot of people but I'm not really the biggest fan of Call Me By Your Name. Mm. I've tried watching it a few times, but it's never clicked for me. I appreciate you for trying, because like you appreciate your, yeah. you might be might have missed yeah. something. I do think it's very well made with amazing cinematography and acting, but I just can't enjoy it for some reason. Maybe I'm missing something. Also, I find it funny that you were correctly able to guess that I'm British just because I said, hey lads, <laughs> best wishes, Hannah. Hannah, you, you, haven't, uh, you said for, uh, for some reason, is there a reason... That, like, is there something specific about it that you don't like or that doesn't connect with you? Because you just said it's got amazing cinematography and acting, but I can't enjoy it for some reason. But I, I think I can speak for both of us when we say we, we do disagree. Well, I don't. Oh, no, no, no. I actually do see what Hannah. Speak for you Hannah, again. right? Hannah. Yeah, I do. I do see Hannah's point because um, mm. I've seen Call Me by Your Name three times. I think twice. Okay. I I like it, but I don't love it as much as other people. I've always been, there are people who, every person I've watched it with has always liked it more than me. Okay. And, and like, I really do like it, but I think my thing is that my primary enjoyment of that film is an aesthetic experience, oh, yeah. not an emotional one, right? Oh. So, so I okay. love the cinematography and the lusciousness of as it, good as and, it and, and the sensuousness. I just adore it, okay? I love mm. it. And I do, you know, feel connected to the emotional journey of uh the film but I, I it's not something like the before films where i'm just suddenly emotionally ready and re and connecting with it i think it might be also that the film is quite subtle and and a little bit cryptic actually it much doesn't more rely on dialogue at, yeah. at all it's a lot of looks and exchanges exactly and, and it's, it's a very uh the film is much more cryptic than i think it, it lets on the i can i think the kind of bucolic beautiful setting belies the fact there's a lot of cryptic dynamic happening and yeah. um 
you know, Michael Stuhlbarg's a lot of unspoken understanding, isn't it? And that's the thing. That, uh, I'm, I don't know whether this is me. me why I like it. Yeah, I know, but I don't know whether this is me just missing it. But it wasn't until the third time that I watched it that I realised um, what Michael Stuhlbarg was actually saying. Oh, go on. In his uh, spoilers for Calling by Your Name. It's actually. been a while. It's been a while. So, in that great, I mean, I love that scene anyway. It, that is very emotional when he talks to. Elio at the end, after um, Oliver's gone, and he says, "You know, this love that you have, don't crush it. You know, otherwise, will be you'll, if you do that. By the time you're in middle age, you'll be barren and broken." And what I missed, and that I get now, is that the dad is actually saying to him, "I've experienced the same same-sex love yeah. in my life for someone," and that's why Elio says, "Does does mum know?" And she and he says, "No, I don't think so. This is something between us." Mm. And I re- and I understand. I, 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 yeah, I just missed it. The first two times I just thought he was saying like, you know, your love in general, but I understand that he was saying, no, see it from my perspective. Yes, I have a loving family. I love you, but actually I've had the same kind of love that you have, that you feel. Mm. Um, and that's pretty, but it's just a sign of how cryptic it can be. I do, I do like it. Don't get me wrong. I like the film, but I, I, I respect and understand Hannah's point of view because I can see a little bit of that myself as well. Well, there you go, Hannah. You are not alone. You are not alone. Okay, next up, we got we had some comments on our YouTube video as well, and I just want to read out read Drop out some uh, comments, guys. Drop some hot takes. <laughs> comments. I want to read out Evan's uh, comment on last week's episode because he picked up on the fact that I talked about Mysterious Skin, that yes. film from two thousand and four. I watched, which I, I still thinking about. I think it's a it's one of the best films I've seen in a long time. Uh, Evan says, "Agreed on Mysterious Skin." Another honourable mention for Joseph Gordon-Levitt fans, though, is Ryan Johnson's debut film, Brick. It's an old school noir mystery at a modern day high school. Really good film with great performances. Also interesting to see Ryan Johnson wear his mystery film influences on his sleeve and see where he has taken that now with the Knives Out franchise. The fact that Mysterious Skin and Brick release basically right on top of each other speaks about how talented Joseph Gordon-Levitt really is. Keep it up, guys. Love the pod. Um, Yeah, I have seen Brick once and i remember liking it and i remember thinking yeah it's very noiry and i, I love the i love the genre smash i mean ryan johnson loves playing with genre. Anchorman spin-off with steve carell right <laughs> no, if only yeah. um the thing about mysterious skin that's also um no pun intended crept under my skin since i've seen it is that it's got a really great uh soundtrack that is just full of dream pop shoegazing stuff so if you like cocteau twins ride um slow dive Sigur Ross, things like that. You're like, you're in good, you're in good company. Next up is from Jack, who writes in and says, Hey guys, I believe this is my third time writing in. Well, I just wanted to talk about the new Puss in Boots movie. Oh, Jack, right. friend okay. of the show. Hey, Jack. Third time writing in, friend I, of the show. That's good. That's good work. You've got to earn the friend of the show, Monica. Yes. Know? Like, we have some few friends of the show. It's a Monica, you dish out. I mean, I and I just go, oh yeah, friend of the friend show. Friend of the show, yeah, we know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack, Jack. Jack writes in and he says, I've just watched the movie and I think it's really great with a really interesting story about death for a kid's film. But I'm quite surprised with the insane amount of praise it is receiving. It currently sits at number 100 of the highest rated films ever on Letterboxd with a 4.3 rating, which to me is an insane achievement. Just wondering if you've seen this movie and your opinion on its reception. Thanks, Jack. I've also heard good things, but from uh, people I work with who've taken their kids to see it. And they're like, oh, it's yeah. actually really good, which is the audience. That is the only thing that matters, really, yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, like, we had a really nice time. But like, I've not thought much on that comment. But if someone's writing in saying it's actually really good, I saw on, uh, it's on a lot of buses yeah. at the moment in London, and it has the best movie in the Shrek universe, and the S is the Shrek is Shrek. Yes, yeah. And I was like, 
Interesting claim. Interesting claim. I know, because it really has little connection to the Shrek franchise. From my memory, Shrek's one and two are good, and the rest... Were there four? There were four. I never saw the fourth. The third one I thought was okay Shrek the third. I watched, I watched the third Shrek one. Shrek forever after, that you was know, it. You know, when we were younger, yeah. there would always be a bloke who would come round with, like... Um, DVDs in, in plastic wallets <laughs> yeah, with like yeah, really yeah. badly photocopied. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Uh, I watched um, uh, Shrek 3 and 300 <laughs> uh, off of one of those. The, three, the 300 rip. rip DVDs. Yeah, the yeah. 300 rip was really good. The Shrek 3 was not Some so good. Some of them were really bad. Some of them were like literal yeah. recordings in a cinema. But yeah. Um, we don't condone film piracy. I'm just saying it's no, the experience of a happens. film viewer. It really was in the, uh, in the noughties. Yeah. You, would, you would just end up buying loads of from DVDs. a dodgy guy in a yeah. raincoat. I remember we went to Thailand and we came back in our suitcase with like 30 DVDs. How many of them did you, did work on your region two player? <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think they did work. They weren't really good, but some of them were just like terrible. Um, um, I'm, I'm putting boots but there. Yeah, it's good yeah. to comment on the fact that it's sitting at number 100 of yeah. highest film. I think it's one of those films where, because it's only seen or only rated in so many ways, it can be artificially inflated yes. by like a very few positive reviews, which I think happens on Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes a lot. Also, is there a slight dose of irony that people are like, <laughs> it's the second Puss in Boot, 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 second Puss in Boots film, which is clearly a much belated sequel to a franchise that's over like 15 years old. Does Antonio Banderas still voice yes, Puss in Boots? Yes, he is. He, he's yeah. the voice of Puss in Boots. Um, I don't think, I've looked up the cast list. I don't think there's any sort of, no, Mike Myers doesn't come in as Shrek for, for a brief bit, but. God, I've seen Shrek. The, that would get you into the school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am in. <laughs> they got Michael Myers back. I've seen Shrek so many times. Do you realize oh, that? I mean, Shrek 1. Yeah, I remember where being, uh, would have been in year two at the time, and someone was like, oh, I just saw Shrek in the cinema. It's so funny. And I was like, what the hell is a Shrek? Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, shipwreck? Was like, a Shrek? <laughs> I remember seeing it and being like, this is such a lovely little satire. Of um, the, the fairy I didn't say that as a kid. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it was a winning satire <laughs> of the fairy tale genre. The future uh, film podcast. I actually thought it was a really great satire of the fairy tale genre. I think I am, uh, I, I don't have anything against seeing Puss in Boots, whatever it's called, The Last Miracle or The Last um, Thing. I, but I just—it's just, it's just not. It's not. You know, I'm—I'll be okay if I miss it. I think. I think the film is about the fact that Puss in Boots uh, dies and he's a cat on his ninth life. Right. And it's like, oh, now this is your last one. Right. I think that's it's about death and what you do. All right. Sounds a bit like Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Um, <laughs> next up, we have an email from Anthea, or she signs off Annie. Uh, she says, "Hello." Been a listener since the early days. Ooh. Think I found you around episode nine. Oh, that is early. That is, that's when we still did food. food. That's 2021, I think still. Whoa. Not through TikTok though, other socials or recommendation, what? but by nosing at what the person next to me was listening to on a train from London to Manchester. No. Wow, possibly a travel faux pas, but hey, it worked well for that me. That is like a just, really uh, organic that, spread. That is amazing. Looking and seeing, it would have been our faces, like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with our little like hands out. Wow. And then, uh, and so episode nine, you you took the chance to listen to something. Someone was uh, also it's a good thumbnail. Is that it's listener? Good... Is that listener who listened? If you listened to our podcast on a train from London to Manchester in late 2021, early 2022, are you listening to this show right now? Because if you are. That, that means Annie yeah. was there. Were you on a train? Were you in, on a train? Or, in that nine, episode nine, we've put out in October, would have been close to Christmas. Yeah. December, I want to say December. Was there a woman next to you sort of nosing over your screen to go? I'm also interested to know because we, if you listen on Spotify, you can watch the video that go, the video that's on YouTube yes. plays as on Spotify because they have that feature now. I'm wondering if it was just the vertical, you know, podcast mm. still thumbnail or if she was watching us as a video, which I think would help you go, what are you listening to? Because video is more engaging. Good story though. I love great. that. Anyway, great. Sorry. Um, 
Uh, Annie's question is this. Classic dinner party... Fo- Classic dinner party fodder question mm. with a film twist. I'd love to know the five film people, actors, directors, etc., dead or alive, that you'd love to have over for a pulp kitchen dinner party. Yes. Also just wanted to say, I loved your before episode. I loved the trilogy for a long time. And it's a series that my brother, cousin, and I always come back to when we're chatting about films. So that episode was a joy. I'm sure oh, as film-focused London lads, you're already aware, but uh, as a public service announcement, if you fancy watching it on the big screen again, and she sends a link to the Prince Charles Cinema who are showing the entire trilogy at the moment. So nice. if you are London-based or near London, you can check that out. And you um, can listen to our before film yes. trilogy sort of review look back. That's on the feed. It sits there for people to listen to. James, five people we need to... It is a classic question. Did we do a version of this? I want we, to say... In my first game... First one. We played a game and I gave you three people and you either had to work with them, mm. uh, go for dinner with them, yes. or have them over for Christmas for two weeks. Yeah. Meet the family. And it was like the three Chris's, Chris Pratt, Chris Evans. and Chris. We should play it again, really. I, yeah. I, I quite like that game. But... Um, yeah. I think it's good to have in this hypothetical dinner party of random people from the industry, it's good to have a mix. Mm. You don't want it to be all comedians. No. You don't want it to be all very super serious, no. intense types. You want to have a nice, unless you don't want them all to be directors because all they do is talk yeah. about directing. You want, you want to mix it up. And can, yeah, and then, who, who comes to your mind? Well, <laughs> the first person I think of and I immediately actually don't put in there is Quentin Tarantino because yeah. I think of someone who's chatty he and engageable. Dominate. He dominate the whole thing. Do- I, no, no, no. What, what, yeah, what you're yeah, saying? What you're saying? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, <laughs> so no, I actually was thinking of um, partly because, first of all, I'd say Ethan Hawke because I would love to meet him. Love and him. also, you've just reminded me of the before films. And, I, and I've seen, he is always very open to having as good, he's a bit like his character in the before films. He's always open to having a lighthearted but serious conversation about deeper things. Yes. There's a great reel going around on TikTok, I think I've told you before, where he's like, you know, what is... Um, what is cinema if, 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 if it's not, if you can't connect, uh, connect with it? I, I think it's something like poetry. You know? Anyway, he's just mm. brilliant like that. And I also think this could be too much, but I'm wondering if someone like Jim Carrey... Oh, it's literally my choice. Although Jim Carrey can do mania and he could do big, but he, yeah. and he would be entertained, but he, he can be also be so very chill. And he'd come out with some wisdom yeah. just out of nowhere. So I think you, you can have Jim Carrey as long as you balance him out. So I think Jim Carrey yeah. and Ethan Hawke... Well... I was thinking Greta Gerwig, actually. Because yes. Greta Gerwig is interesting because she's obviously a great career. Actor, director, director. Actor. Writer? Does she write? Yeah, and writer, of course. So, you know, very intelligent, very funny as well. Yeah. And in fact, it'd be interesting if you could do couples because yeah. you could have uh, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach come. You could have John Krasinski and Emily Blunt come. Yeah. Uh, you could have... Give me others. <laughs> I'd, I would like to have, personally, um, uh, like, a, like a Martin Freeman... Because he's funny, polite, mm. smart. You don't like you don't like Martin Freeman. I just think he could be a little normal. a little too dry and, and a little terse, a little bit acerbic. I think I've seen him in behind the scenes stuff. He's funny. Yeah, but funny in a slightly, in a slightly mean way. Do you think, think so? I think, Do you think so. He's a little yeah. bit like Martin. I'm sorry for listening. I, I don't know you at all. <laughs> yeah, but... Please come on the show. And then a person I want to speak to is Andy Circus, who's an right. actor. I still think is okay. underrated, even though despite everything, he directs. He acts and i think he's always going to give an in- i think he's also a very polite dinner guest based on mm. no experience i think mm. you know what i mean he's very like humble and normal and nice and i think he would be very interesting i'd love to get some really serious a really serious person in and sit them next to a jim carrey like i'd get steve mcqueen to come in 
Oh wow! And talk about like that's, he, that's really good. He's yeah. he's a I think he's a great filmmaker, but he's a, he's a very, very serious, serious interview. Serious. You ask him a question, he goes, mm, oh, "No, and it's very yeah. direct, and no, that's not how I'd see it." And it's it, it depends what you want out of your dinner party. Do you want sparks yeah. to fly and people to be ending up throwing pieces of turkey at each other, or is it like if you're serving turkey, um, yeah. or, or do you want people to be going, mm, "Yes, yes, yes, mm, I love you too." Like, mm, yes, do you want yes, a yes. wild night? Yeah. Like, do you want like who? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I always thought like Brett, he's not technically a film person, but like Brett Easton and Ellis would have been a really good person to a dinner party. Brett you know, Brett, Brett, who wrote American Psycho and, oh, and, and okay, yeah, you yeah. Know, Lesson Zero and all that stuff. And, he's, and I've seen him speak in, in public and he's a great raconteur, like yeah. really, but he would say something that would rub, rub someone up the wrong way. Mm. He, would, he would challenge someone. And but it's like, are you, do you just get to watch these people have the dinner party? Are you like with it? Do you really care if you never see these people again? Like, what's the what's the goal? Do you want the most like interesting conversation, or do you want everyone to have a good time? Because I'd say if this is only this is only happening mm. once, mm. you know. I think I think couples is a more interesting one because then you Couple. definitely get uh, uh, you get two for, two for the price of one in a way. I think Adam Sandler's good fun. Who's his? Who's that? Oh, you just mean no? That, I'm just saying it's separately. Yeah. I think I'd have a movie good fun. You know, actually yeah. thinking <laughs> sorry, you know thinking of because uh, Marcel's in my mind. Jenny Slate would be a really good addition. Um, and also because Jenny Slate isn't like super, super famous, she wouldn't be walking into the room with a massive ego or a massive sort of filter. I think, I think uh, if you had Jenny Slate, I want Sandra Bullock. Really? I want to be her friend. And what makes you say that? I mean, not, not that I doubt that she'd be, you know. I just think she's like really loyal and grounded, but also has this like very successful air about her. And I mm. want to like watch, you know, when you, um, my sister once was in a restaurant and George Clooney and Matt Damon came and sat down with their partners, a man, wow. I don't know, Matt Damon's wife. And she was like, the way they move and interacted, they just radiated confidence and yeah. star quality. And she was like, I couldn't stop staring because they were just so confident. And I want to almost like capture mm. that magic of like what it is that gives people that quality. And I'd love to watch it All right. and see. Okay, I'm just going to... I'm going to actually replace Ethan Hawke okay. with Bob Odenkirk. The reason yes, I say Bob Odenkirk before, yeah. because he is he's you know he's comic backgrounds, so he's funny, yeah. but he's also gives a wonderful wholesome like dad-like vibe. Um and he can talk seriously if he wants to. And I think if Jim Carrey's there, Bob can not only interact and understand Jim Carrey as a fellow comedian, <laughs> yes, but yeah. also keep him brought down to a level. I think you then have Greta Gerwig who worked with Bob Odenkirk on Little Women, great. Throw in Steve McQueen as well, who's there to sort of see if they, he can engage in some way. He's the one you're not sure he will stay for dessert. Yeah. Um, and then we need a, we need a fifth person. Do you think we need someone who die, who's dead? Oh my God, a dead person. These are people throw, all alive. All alive. Like we could throw like Marilyn Monroe in there. And just... <laughs> uh, yeah, but that would be all about her. Tarantino. Like, like you know, can I see your feet? Because I yeah. want to... <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good one. A dead, yeah, we need a dead, dead person. person. It can't, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it can be someone too big like Elvis stuff because it just dominates. It, yeah, it just like, everyone be like, that's Marilyn Monroe. You need someone who... Um, I bet Kate Blanchett loves a drink and a nice little dinner party. She does seem like fun. She seems like yeah. fun. All I, business in, uh, during the day, but like she give you, come on, we're gonna go. let's go to the pub. You know what? I, would, I would do think Audrey Hepburn would be a good uh, guest because she did a lot of humanitarian work as well in her career. Yeah. And she would have a lot to say you know, good good dinner party chat about serious stuff. You know, guys, can we get serious for a second, please? Um, I'm worried if Jim Carrey be too loud. We are really thinking about this. It'd be interesting to see like Brando and Steve McQueen have a conversation. You mean Steve McQueen, the director? Steve McQueen, the director. Not Steve McQueen, the actor. Yeah, no. And Marlon like, Brando. Like Marlon Brando, like big, yeah. difficult person. Okay. I don't know. Oh my God, no, like. no, no. Wait, wait, wait. That is a really good shot because way, also- I don't know if Steve McQueen's difficult. I've just- No, you're sorry. On, we we yeah, give the wrong yeah, thing. We, he's yeah. not difficult. No. We, let me just rephrase that. He's yeah. uh, 
very sincere, serious, and passionate yes. about the work that he does. That's yes. what we meant to say. What an incredibly uh, director. Do you know really what would work? Admire. I think if you if you did have Marlon Brando, because Marlon Brando was. Uh, you know, a figure who was controversial yeah. in his in his approach because he didn't want to play the system. But I think someone like Steve McQueen would really appreciate that. But also Marlon Jim Brando Carrey speaking to Mark, right? Yeah, and then um, also Marlon Brando stood up uh, a lot for uh, the rights of Native Americans uh, in in uh, in the US, and also. Um, He's just he's just got so many layers to Marlon Brando. You know, yeah. apparently, I mean, this was confirmed by Richard Pryor's wife. You know Richard Pryor? Yeah, yeah. They said that actually Richard Pryor and Marlon Brando had a, you know, decade-long affair with each other. Oh, whoa. Yeah. So, like, you know, the when stories did, that Marlon... When did that come out? A few years ago. I remember really? it was in a pub quiz I did in lockdown. How Please check that fact before you... Pinch yourself. ...throw that around. But I'm pretty sure... Richard Pryor's widow came out and confirmed it. But wow. regardless, Marlon Brando would have loads of stories in the same way that Audrey Hepburn would have stories. So, oh, you know who'd be- Hang on. Oh, sorry. Like, we got, we've got six now. Uh, Carrie Fisher would be a great oh, Demi Party great guest. great one. Loads of stories. That's good. She's interesting. She's oh. fun. She's been a script supervisor on everything. I'd also just love to meet her and talk to her, which obviously very sad you can't oh, do. Great. She would be great. great. Shout. Okay. Carrie. So we've got Carrie, Greta, Jim. Audrey, Jim, Bob- and Marlon. Tarantino, potentially. No, 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 no not Tarantino, Tarantino. That's too much. <laughs> that's seven. Plus me and you, that's nine. Can we just throw in one more person to make it ten? Tarantino. Fuck no, it. no, no, no. Too much. Sparks fly. I think, I think, maybe you're right. You maybe in that group of, that loud group of Because you have break-off conversations. Sure. You know what you don't want? You'd want to see... Sandra Bullock. Get her in there. Mm. Quentin is going to be... I think we do Quentin, maybe. Clooney? Clooney's mm. Clooney's doing that film with Matt Damon um, about the about Nike. He's about in that with Ben Affleck. No, I'm I'm thinking Ben, ben Affleck. Affleck. George Clooney is filming something with Brad Pitt right now, and I get behind the scenes. You know what? TikTok. Anyway, I think we spent too long on this question, but that's nine. That's that. We've answered your question. We really have thought about it. You could play. You could play this game for hours. Yes, you could. We could get it bored out, and we could so hang on. really. We could do the. We could do the play, the table setting. Okay, the, yeah, the placements. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but, we won't do that. But we maybe another time. But for now, we're just gonna say. It's James and I, and we're hosting Marlon Brando, Audrey Hepburn, Jim Carrey, Steve McQueen, the director, Greta Gerwig, Bob Odenkirk. Who have I missed? That's seven. That's it. Just that's it. Brando. Yeah, that was yeah it. That seven. Was it. There we go. Moving on. James, we end this week's episode with another round of Guess the Movie in One Word. We've been okay. doing this for a few weeks now. Yes. I hope people understand the rules of the game by now. I've got two rounds for you. Okay. As before, I'm going to read one word out and you have to guess the movie in a quick fire game. Okay. Okay. So, James, guess the movie in one word. Three, two, one. Iceberg. Titanic. Bus. Bus. Speed. Correct. Jacuzzi. Hot tub time machine? Correct. Tunnel. Um, tunnel? Mm, it's niche. Ooh. It's Perks being a wallflower. Ah, okay. Prom. Um, prom? Prom? Carrie. Ah, Carrie. Ah, yes, it, it's hard, but yeah, there's yeah, no. Okay, okay. Pirates. Of the Caribbean? No, it's not in the title. Pirates. Um, pirates? Captain Hook. Phillips. Hook. Captain oh, Phillips. Okay, Hook, okay. I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truancy. Um, truancy. Oh, um, it's uh, <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day. Yes, off. well done. Blue. Avatar. Yes. <laughs> sisters. Um, sisters could be. 
Little Women. Ah, okay, good. Divorce. Marriage Story. Correct. Basement. Saw? No. Uh, ooh. Recent. Basement. Uh, room? No. No. Uh, Barbarian. Barbarian. Manson. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well done. Whew, oh. Little Women has a lot of things Little in it. Little Women, yeah. But sisters, I thought sisters. I got the, uh, the 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 comedy with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. I know. I know. <laughs> Was that what's that called? Is it called? It's sisters? called Sisters. Uh, yeah. I just to clarify for our listeners, if if the name of the yes the, 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 the word will never be in the title of the film. Yes. So if like last week we had Peach or whenever it was, it wouldn't be James and the Giant. It can't Peach. be James and the Giant. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sisters was the film, the only film that came out during the Force Awakens, in the month of the yeah. Force Awakens, because everything else cleared. But, yeah. yeah. Okay, should we do another round? Let's do it. Let's do another round of- How did you do at home? Guess the movie in one word. Okay. Three, two, one. Facebook. Social network. Strudel. Uh, um, it's uh, <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. Yes. Pig. Baby? Babe? Babe, yes, babe. <laughs> Weinstein. Uh, uh, she said. Correct. Meteor. Armageddon? No, I've oh, realized but, uh, how no, actually- no, no, Don't look up. Yes, that's right, yeah, yeah. Sound. Uh, sand. <laughs> sand. Uh, Attack of the Clones? June. June, okay. Queen. Um, queen could be Elizabeth, the Golden Age, or could be- Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian. Oh, okay. <laughs> Crash. Crash. Oh, it's so vague. It's a trick one, Crash. Really. It's obviously not Crash, but it could be- No, go on. The Big Short. Ah, yeah, okay. Good Kidnapped. Night. Um, hard candy. No. Uh, oh, but that's yeah. wow. Yeah. What, a, what a reference. Uh, hold on. Kidnapped. Could be man on fire. No. Um, you had it in the last round. Captive. Room. Ah. Okay. Octopus. Octopus. Old boy. And okay. last of all, vigilante. Batman. Mm. Uh, oh, kick ass. No. Um, oh, this is but not vigilante. specific as I thought. Watchmen. Ah, okay. With that, yeah. I realize. I'm, I have to apologize because I do realize in reading those through to you, it's hard because there so are many like Meteor. I should have thought, of course, Armageddon. And... Even though I still think it's it's okay to have like two or three. It's okay to have two or three. Yeah, I mean, I like, like Crash for the big for the big shorts. Yeah. I was thinking like Collision, Explosion. Exactly. But really, it was. Like I also numbers. People should know I wrote these on the tube on the way here, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> but also, it works because we'll have comments now where people going, "Uh, excuse me, Meteor is obviously Armageddon. Oh, uh, actually, yeah. it's Deep Impact. <laughs> yeah, deep impact. I'm like, whatever. All the comments anything. are good. All the comments are good. That was the uh, games we had this week. That is all we have time for oh, wow. on this show of Pulp Kitchen. Thank you so much for listening, as always, to this episode. We really appreciate people who make it to the end of the show. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this podcast every single Wednesday. I think I've missed the last four Wednesdays, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but don't forget, I tried to post them on Wednesdays. If it happens on Thursday, I'm sorry. I'm busy, but it always comes through no matter what. Uh, absolutely. We... we, we, we... Yeah, stick with us. We, 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 the episode will absolutely come out. It will, it will be coming. It might be late, but it will definitely come out. I was literally out. like, the, the video was like 96% exported. Someone commented, where's the episode, guys? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, it's coming. 
<laughs> Thanks for making it to the end of the episode. Don't forget to send us your thoughts. And if you, if there's, if there are films that we haven't talked about, new or old, that you want to hear us talk about as yeah, well, we're always interested to hear about that. Or if you've just seen a film that you've, you're really passionate about and you wanted to send a, send in some thoughts about it, you know, head up popkitchenpodcast.com is that reason. Seeing films we're interested in, but we yes. think you guys are interested in. So it's always trying to find that. And um, if you are listening to this, please give us a like. It really yes. helps the YouTube algorithm, whether that's on Spotify or on Apple or on wherever you listen. Yeah. Find a way to just sort of show your appreciation and it tells all the algorithms to send more exactly. people our way. Go and subscribe. It makes a huge difference. If you want to see more shenanigans, us at Premieres doing yeah. fancy things, getting our shiny shoes on, at Pop Kitchen Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. It really helps. And uh, yeah, just like, subscribe and all that. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you.